Hello and welcome to another edition of the Arena Craft Podcast. But wait, this one's different. Something is different. Did I get a haircut? Uh, I don't think I did. <laughs> no, look, look at those shaggy locks. Uh, but there has been a disturbance in the force, and uh, that disturbance is probably the most welcome disturbance anyone on this channel could ever hope to see. And that is none other than the one, in best of one, Magic's most celebrated streaker, <laughs> returned from being less than fully clothed on a beach somewhere, sipping beer from a coconut. It is the one, in best of one. And the one in my heart on the podcast, Covert Go Blue, you're back. How you doing, buddy? Covert Go Blue, yes, that's what they used to call me. I am Covert Go White. Uh, Covert Go White, we <laughs> no, did it. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. You, you defeated uh, the Balrog? Ah, uh, yes. Um, long <laughs> did I battle the Balrog Crokies until I smite his ruin upon the mountainside. <laughs> <laughs> you did smite some ruin i i can attest to that oh that was like a month ago nobody remembers that anymore but it's okay i'm so excited to be back on the podcast i had over a month of like listening to the podcast again as a listener some people know this i was a fan i was a listener before i was ever on the show i was an early adopter of the arena craft podcast i was a crafty back before they were called the crafties it just reminds me that i feel really cool to be part of the show I don't know if I say that enough, I probably don't. I'm just getting it out there. I feel cool to be on this show because I really do enjoy it when I'm not there, even. I got the joy of like not knowing what was going to happen when I refreshed my podcast app and ArenaCraft pot popped up and started downloading, you know? And yeah, I, I was sitting there on a beach, not completely clothed, appropriately clothed, but not completely, down in the small coastal village of Miami, Florida. It was a really good time. Did not have beer. Still trying to normalize tasty drinks. I think I succeeded in Miami. Lots of colorful, tasty drinks in all manner of uh, hands down there. So, uh, yeah, job done. Wonderful. Wonderful. And so I'm sure that you have a lot of interesting stories to tell. But just like briefly for the crafties, you know, how was it taking a vacation, man? Or what were some of the highlights? Just, just give us a little bit of the flavor of what the one and best of one has been up to for the last month. I've still followed Magic. I still played Magic almost every day. Almost always got my dailies. It was not a vacation from Magic. I'm I'm still a weird person who never tries to get away from Magic. I never get sick of it. It was a vacation, I guess, just from the spotlight and the daily pressure of having to come up with something new. Uh, so I did a lot of net decking on this vacation. I watched a lot of YouTube videos, did something I used to do all the time, which is scout, you know, other content creators to watch, something I don't get as much time to do anymore, and uh, had a good time. Um, just kind of played a whole bunch of various historic brawl decks uh, is, is most of what I did. And of course, messing around in alchemy because Teferi and Key to the Archive is fun. Well, I mean, that's something that we share, CGB. I actually have rediscovered the joy that is historic brawl. And uh, on the suggestion of a crafty on the stream, I actually finally followed through with that Agar the Freezing Flame deck, oh, which no. was foretold. And I'm here to tell you, Kovac Go Blue, that I think we had something between a, an 80 or a 90% win rate. Did you, so, did you um, beat those Eliwick Tumblestrom Venture decks in your <laughs> Agar queue? 
to just serve them right a tasty spicy giant dish i think it was definitely a case of stomping on the algorithm yes Yes. it was definitely a case of pounding the algorithm into the pavement it also turns out cgb that is it is just good i don't know if you know this shocking Um, were you did you play galvanic iteration all runs epiphany and historic brawl you did there was there was multiple turns being taken we still have access to cards such as leah for example we still have access to broken cards like key to the archive just all manner of goodness but i will say that when you add draw a card to each of your cheap red kill spells it turns out they do end up being pretty good so uh anyway achievement unlocked it was a success. Everyone had fun. I mean, I'd admonish you a little bit, but as the person who built eight different Paradox Engine combo decks in Historic Brawl that just end the game on like turn five or whatever, I can't pick on anybody. Uh, maybe this is going to turn into the uh, the Historic Brawl cast at some point. But, Crafties, you'll notice the odd timing of this episode, but we have actually had a ban and restricted announcement yeah wizards of the coast i'm not supposed to be here today i have two days left on my vacay what are we what the heck i i came into the office for this one yeah pulled out of retirement early what's going on yeah a lot anything else before we dive in are are we are we good to go yes this is kind of a just a, a bummer note kind of and it's probably gonna mean more to me and probably you than our average listener who's been you know zoomerfied into mtg arena but it looks like scg announced today that they are letting go of a lot of their premium writers possibly wow. all of them wow. scg premium has been around for well over a decade in fact i'm pretty sure i was using it back in like 2005 but i'm not positive on that let's just say it's been around for a really long time um you pay 7.99 a month and you get to read articles by the best players in magic you know who are playing at a very high level they talk about the meta usually in standard modern the competitive formats best of three and it was a place i've gone for most of my life playing magic to get the latest technology the latest what's going down and it was always something i was very excited like i would refresh it was a site that probably for many years was my most visited website every day i would i was on there refreshing to see what people were posting and it's one of the last places i still would go to read full articles and today they announced that they're letting go of a lot of pro players including a friend of the show brian gottlieb brad nelson paulo vitor dama de rosa jerry thompson todd anderson those are the ones i could find so far they didn't publish a list they let them kind of reveal themselves i i've got to assume with that list it's all of their competitive writers i i have to assume that and it's sad it's been a great resource for understanding and getting better at Magic the Gathering, and I wanted to pour one out for that. Uh, anybody who, like me, has really appreciated the efforts of the people at that site over the years. I remember hearing about like Cedric's leaving. That yeah. was kind of a big announcement that preceded this, but I wasn't paying that much attention because I haven't really been plugged into that particular community. I'm more of a Channel Fireball person, just just based on luck more than anything else. But yeah, that's that's a really big deal. I mean, do you suspect that the lack of paper tournaments has been part of that? I'm sure it has. Uh, they pointed out in their article that that was part of it, along with Wizards not supporting competitive play and or, you know, taking things out of competitive play. 
a tweet that kind of hit home for me was one where it said that Brian Kibler, a uh, former pro player, n- now turned commander enthusiast, he put out a tweet that, you know, said that this was a bigger blow to competitive magic than uh, reducing prize pools or the death of the MPL would be paraphrasing. Yeah. And he, I think he's right. It's weird for me because for a long time I was, and people told me this behind the scenes, that I was the rarity. I, I was able to build an audience without competitive play results and without writing for a big website. Because that was the path in the past if you wanted to be known as a Magic player, was to write for something like a Star City Games and do well in their tournament series and have people writing about you because you did well in their tournament series. And I kind of completely skipped over that, but it doesn't mean I wasn't always a fan and really enjoying it. And I hope that these players land on their feet and make some great content. I hope that they can make content the way they want to on other sites. But I also, if any of them happen to listen to this, uh, there's a lot to do on YouTube. And I still really hope to see more competitive players bringing those talents to YouTube in the way that Paulo did for a lot of last year. I know he had to move recently, so he took a break from his channel. And uh, Andrea Mangucci's another one who's been hitting the YouTube pretty hard. And I would encourage people to try that out. It's a a new way of making content and reaching people. It's different from the old way, but it can also be rewarding. I don't want to lose their voices in the community. Um, I don't want to lose their voices about competitive magic because I've really liked their content. You know, let's give a shout out to the Arena Decklists podcast. Oh, yeah. um, A show that I know you and I listen to every week. And uh, yep, two of the folks you mentioned are on that show. Uh, Yeah, I definitely... I agree that those are like some of the biggest names in magic, all those people you listed off. And uh, yeah, definitely hope that they hit the ground running and hope that people show them support. If you're listening to this, uh, reach out to us. I mean, we'll, we'll do all we can to help. So, wow. We'll pull one out for all of them and uh, we'll, we'll follow along with us. <laughs> CG premium. It was a Cheers good run. To you. Cheers to you. Show us, show us. All right. Is it time to talk bands? Nothing moves the needle like bands, dude. Nothing moves the needle for me like being right, Kovac Goblu. Mm. As I remember, we we had a, a listener question way back in the day, way back in the day last year, asking which cards might get banned out of the ones that were in the format currently. And I suggested, nay, strongly opined that Auron's Epiphany would at some point get the axe in standard. And by golly, they have finally done it. Yeah. Spoiler alert. They did it. Alrun's Epiphany is out of there in standard. Now, remind me, what was our bet? We had an over-under on a certain date. That was a different thing that we talked about. But the interesting thing was uh, there was a tournament. I believe it was the 16th of December yeah. was like the week after the tournament. So we didn't under-over on that. Interestingly enough, Alchemy released on the 9th of December. Yep. So I, d- I don't know if you count that a victory for me or not. I think in a way we're both right on this one. I think you might be right. And I, I have a little tinfoil hat on why Epiphany wasn't banned sooner. I mean, who didn't want to try Alchemy? There's no Epiphany over here, guys. Come on in. Okay. Yep. That's a compelling argument for sure. I think that had a lot to do with it. But now with Alchemy being around for over a month and the first round of nerfs and buffs having played out and the second round later in today's show, they said it's time for Epiphany to go. And dude, what took so long? Extra turns haven't been fun for a long time. When's the last time extra turns were cool? When's the last (laughs) time anybody was like, oh, yeah. 
Hey, that's so cool. You took two turns in a row. Wow. Pulling it off occasionally in cube or something. You know what I mean? Doing some cool combo. Like that's where it should exist in my opinion. I think extra turns should be a kind of a thing where like you get to do it occasionally. You feel real smart. It's impressive. Your stream goes, ooh, and then you move on, right? And then yeah. it doesn't happen again for a while. Or maybe you build like some super trashy historic deck with like some ridiculous, you know, ultimatum combo or something. And it's not very good. And you win 40% of the time and you feel like you got your fun that way too. Um, I feel like that's, those are the places where effects like that should show up. And yeah, happening like every game or like one out of three of your matches on a daily basis just should not ever be the way it is in my opinion. The last time it was cool. Nexus of Fate Turbo Fog was a new deck at the PT. Oh my god. I mean, and that's the thing, right? Is that like look at these decks. So is it turns? Hated deck. Saltai Ultimatum, hated deck. Nexus of Fate. I mean, these are like some of the most hated decks that have ever existed in Magic. I'm a blue and mage and I hate them. Anyone taking an extra turn who is not you is hating their life. Period. Yep. So so that one's out of the format. And I would feel a lot better about this banning and about the nerfing in alchemy as well if we hadn't just replaced that with spiking a freaking time warp off of the key to the archive. Because, like, <laughs> is that just nonsense or what? Man? I will see. We'll, we'll get to the nerfings and the alchemy meta and what's happened over there. And I don't know how much uh, the time warp stuff is going to hurt like it used to, because the extra turns off time warp was very much uh, a Lear thing. Yeah. Mm. Mm. <laughs> we'll get there. We, we will get there. Yeah. So continuing along with these standard bands, uh, this one, I was very interested to hear you react to in your video earlier today and definitely want to get some of your updates and thoughts on divide by zero. Did you ever think it would come to this CGB? No. I I mean I get it. But if they ban cards just for being like annoying and a little good, there's a lot of other cards that needed to go. Divide by zero is such an it's like an easy ban because at first it's just an uncommon and it's in Strixhaven, so it's been out for a while. But then you think about the mascot exhibitions that will never be fetched, and you think about the teachings of archaics that will never be fetched, and it's like they actually got a lot of wild card juice out of banning this. And it's true. Does it solve the problem? They're they're trying to half nerf, I would say, Holebreaker Horror and Leer. Because those are the leftovers of blue. Like they they kind of said when they banned this in the text that they're still think blue is too good. And this is their soft shot at blue. Mm. I don't know. Divide by zero. I, I get that with Leer, it's a lockout situation. And that people used this a lot in the latest format. But if you remember at Worlds, the Leer decks did not run Divide by Zero. They were four fading hope piles. So yeah, they, they were Grixis decks. They yeah. couldn't fit Divide. Yep. In, in standard, that is not going to change. And Divide by Zero also, while it definitely made its dent in best of three, it's like best of three, you also just got back your sideboard slots. I, I struggle to see how divide by zero is the real problem. And judging from comments I've seen so far in my video today, there are plenty of people who agree that divide by zero is a problem. And I have no problem agreeing that you can ban the annoying card and make people happy. But is it the problem? Because for me, I look at these bans and I'm like, 
Holebreaker Horror Lear, let's go. I don't even people, blink at this. People hate those cards, right? And I mean, I think that that's a really good point. And I think, again, you can get a little more tinfoil on that with just, you know, Leah's a mythic, right? They don't want for people to have that, you know, feels bad or whatever. And they, well, I guess, I mean, they'd get their wild cards back, but, you know, Wizards wants to like milk those a little longer, I guess is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Divide by zero was an important counter. Like it was a, an important stop for Holebreaker Horror and Lear. And while it's yes, good with them, it was all you had against them. Holebreaker Horror, yeah. we'll get to it later, what's up in alchemy, but in standard, still can't be countered. And Lear says spells can't be countered on it. And the reason that Divide by Zero was good against Lear is because if the opponent played Lear, or maybe fought a battle to get Lear onto the battlefield, and you drew a Divide by Zero, or were able to save a Divide by Zero, you could target their Lear and at least make them spend mana again so they don't get as much value the next turn. If you draw a counterspell or have a counterspell stuck in your hand after a Lear resolves from a counterfight, nothing gets countered anymore, and the Lear is on the battlefield. This is weird, but I'm going to say it. I think the Divide by Zero ban is a buff Along with All Runs Epiphany, I think those are both buffs for Hullbreaker Horror and Lear in Standard. And I think that yeah. people are going to find that out and be very unhappy about it. Yeah, I agree. Um, there are some other cases that also got buffed. For example, uh, flashing back your memory deluge is now stronger, that your opponent can't just freaking counter it with Divide by Zero, right? Yeah. So you have some other of these instances, or like any kind of galvanic iteration shenanigan you're doing, spell copying, anything like that, um, is going to get a little bit worse. Now, granted, a lot of people hate that, so maybe they feel like it should get worse. Um, but you know, it's just something to keep an eye on. I think you made a really good point about how divide was such a flexible answer. And maybe that's why they didn't want it. Maybe they just thought that it was too good in too many different instances. You know, it's like your opponent slams a coma, just bounce that sucker back to the hand. You know, your opponent targets your whatever, you know, your key to the archive, bounce back to the hand. Um, one of my favorite things to do with Divide by Zero is when your opponent's trying to test of talents your spell and nope, you just put that spell back in your hand, suck it, you know? These are all things that made us feel clever. These are all reasons that we enjoyed playing Divide by Zero. These are all reasons it's been kind of a ubiquitous card in Standard. And that kind of brings me to my theory as well, is I think that they were just looking at deck lists and it was like every blue deck was running four copies of Divide. I threw together some like silly Simic Leah deck that only had two Divide by Zeros in it. And people were commenting on it, like, what gives, bro? Like, why aren't you running the full package right obviously so, you didn't know you could run for <laughs> I, I guess not restricted in standard or something so i mean maybe that's what it comes down to more than anything i mean you know you kind of had to make an argument for why you weren't running four of it in every blue deck so maybe that's as far as it needs to go if that's a reason to ban a card they've got a lot more work to do indeed well another card which is basically far off in any deck that runs it in any amount faceless haven banned banned I don't think anyone should be truly surprised to see this. Clearly one of the most powerful cards in the format, definitely since wrote, since the rotation of like Eldraine and all the busted stuff went out. It is, I don't know. This one also feels just a little odd to me. Like this wouldn't be my public enemy number one. Honestly, I feel like in mono white in standard, it feels pretty grievous to me. I feel like in mono green, it was kind of okay. I almost wonder if they're banning this more because they just want to open up the format and, and encourage people in other directions. What do you think? 
We have two articles. One is the banned and restricted announcement, and it covers standard, legacy, and historic. And the other is the alchemy rebalancing article. And it's really interesting that in the standard banned and restricted announcement, they say that they want to harm monocolor aggro decks because they're too good. And in the Alchemy Rebalancing article that we'll get to, they specifically said they want to encourage monocolor aggro decks in the format. And these, I mean, it shows you how different these formats have become in a very short period of time. And the Faceless Haven banning, I think it's a good idea because, one, there wasn't a lot of great incentive to play Snow. There definitely wasn't a good incentive to play multicolor snow. If you ever tried to play like Gruel Snow, you know that every pathway or every chill land you draw like really damages your ability to play your cards. Every aggro deck was like mono white or mono green. Why would you do something different? Because they played probably the best with Faceless Haven. I think that Haven was more important to mono white, to be honest, to recover from board wipes, whereas green was always more resilient to those with old growth troll and chariot anyway. And I don't think that banning Haven from green hurts it very much because they can add layer. They wanted green sources anyway, and they'll probably still run Snowlands for Blizzard Brawl, but they also have ways to kind of cheat that with Sculpture of Winter, which they're running anyway. So hitting three isn't that hard. So I think they'll just run four layer of the Hydra, a whole bunch of Snowlands, and be mostly unchanged. And I think that's kind of bad because I think green, according to the numbers, is the best thing in standard right now. I think it's funny because ironically, I think this banning will in some particular cases make some mono green decks better. I'm not saying at the top of the list, but what I'm saying is that uh, mono green decks will be more consistent. (laughs) Yes, those draws (laughs) where they draw two havens and two forests and three old growth trolls, so you don't get the free win anymore. Yeah, so if you're like some mono green pile gamer, your win percentage might have just gone up with this banning. Oh, yeah. Um, Uh, They can also play unnatural growth a lot more freer, which I think was an underrated thing that Faceless Haven was hurting. Because if you run three to four Havens, the odds of drawing like two and not being able to cast unnatural growth were pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. So I just, I find that a little bit interesting. Um, But I I agree. I feel like Mono White's probably getting hit the hardest by this banning. And I mean, I have to admit, like, it does feel awful when your Mono White opponent, like, has their not draw and they have their Thalia on too and their Redain and they do all the things and you finally wipe them and then they're just smacking you in the face with Faceless Haven. It, it did feel a little hopeless at times. Overall, I, I think it's a fine ban. Honestly, like, I do wonder if Mono Color decks get nerfed enough. And this might not be the thing that puts the nail in the coffin, but I do want to keep an eye on it because they really are keeping a lot of arena players in business, right? Like there are a lot of people who just can't afford to play at a competitive level if they're not running a monocolored deck. It's mostly the lands, right? So um, I don't know, like what like what do you think about that? Do you think that this is going to hit people in their pocketbooks a little bit harder than they expected? No, I, I think no. your mono white deck and your mono green deck are still probably very good in standard because I think they still have such a concentration of powerful cards like the mono white and mono green card quality is insane and if you already crafted those cards for standard you're probably good for a long time we'll see what kamigawa holds but i mean it's hard to picture it getting insanely better at like the one two and three spots in the curve so 
you've got a good aggro deck no matter what. And now your mana might even be a little bit more consistent than it was before. And you still have creature lands because uh, Forgotten Realms introduced plenty of them. So it's not like we're short of creature lands either. Yeah. Redain gets a little worse maybe because not every deck has to play snow lands anymore, but Redain's main effect was always on the spells. I think the real question, to be honest, is does the change of Auron's Epiphany out of the format and a Divide by Zero out of the format, is there like a black and maybe other colors mid-range deck that can beat green and white? Because if there is, that might cause real meta churn. I, I don't know. I love the mono black decks and the various black X decks in standard, but white and green were still just hard matchups every single way that you cut it. And they have so many good tools. So I think the real question is, is there a non-blue kind of control mid-range two control deck that can win here and force the format to change? I mean, as someone who's spent a lot of time in this particular standard playing like mid-rangey, rampy, like Sultai decks and, and decks that kind of fill in the void that you're talking about, um, I can say that it's definitely possible. It's definitely possible to build decks in this format which are capable of, of tackling that. Whether they get feasted on by, you know, whatever else is going to come in to replace these decks is yet to be seen right yeah. you know maybe Lear and Hullbreaker are still too strong for mid-range to really flourish right because that's what you have to ask yourself is like what game plan can I come up with which is bigger than that and yeah I don't know if there is one right you're kind of hinting at it but Blood on the Snow was kind of in my opinion like the only other game plan which is like as big and kind of able to really grind but i i don't know that that's competitive against those cards yeah hullbreaker horror is a nightmare for those decks um you have to be able to like catch it in the hand so maybe they have to run more check for traps or something like that so i i guess yeah. we'll see what happens but it's still a, a very painful card to have to go against remember when we read harness infinity and we were like, wow, that's wow. a really powerful card. Wouldn't that be cool? And then they just like they printed a creature that just gives you harness infinity for the rest of the game. <laughs> right? They <It's> did. Like, <laughs> they're like, how about we make it like two mana cheaper and make it a creature? That sounds great. Yeah. And you don't have to discard the hand size either, or discard nope. your hand like you do when you cast harness infinity. <laughs> it's fine. This is fine. Yep. Yep. So we, we figured that one out. Uh, admittedly, I haven't been following standard that closely, but I do. I mean, this is going to shake things up. It's definitely going to shake things up. So it at least does give the format a chance to reconfigure. And I'll be very interested to see what happens a month from now. Likewise. All right. Let's touch briefly on historic before we open up the can of worms that is alchemy. So memory lapse is now officially banned to the surprise of nobody. Uh, I think we can both just say bye, Felicia, on that and move along. However, and now we're actually kind of edging into alchemy territory. Yep. I never thought I would say this ever in my life. But here we are. Teferi, Time Raveler, back from the dead. Back from whatever planeswalk realm he planeswalked to, or maybe whatever era he planeswalked to. I mean, okay. Let's let the cat out of the bag. Looking a little shabby, all right? He's gained some weight. He's not the same. <laughs> he's not the same. Uh, he hasn't been working out, and uh, he's lost some of his wit, shall we say. Uh, do, do you want to read the card for us, CGB? 
Oh, I would love to. Oh, wait, when you pull it up on the wizard site, it still has the unrebalanced version. No big deal. I've got the other one here because I'm prepared. Teferi Time Raveler is not the Teferi you thought you knew. He now costs two and a white blue, so four mana. He comes in with five loyalty, not four. Apparently, he's still rare, if you remember those wild cards. And your opponents can't cast spells during your turn. This is... That's the static ability, and it's different from what it used to be, which was your opponents can't cast spells anytime except when they could cast a sorcery. And this seemingly innocent change uh, is going to make it so... Well, we'll get to that. The plus one is until next turn, you may cast sorcery spells as though they had flash. Same thing. The minus three, also unchanged return target. Artifact creature or enchantment to its owner's hand, draw a card. Oh, that's up to one. Target artifact creature or enchantment to hand and draw a card, which very rare, but sometimes you just need that card so bad you don't bounce anything. So uh, there's Teferi. You thought you knew him. He's back. He's got a makeover. He's hopefully not as offensive or egregious to most. He no longer counters Finale of Promise with his passive or emergent ultimatum. So is he historic? Good. It seems like bringing him back in his current configuration is basically just like a mirror breaker in control decks in Historic. I think that's kind of what they're getting at here. It could also be like protection for combos, right? So that could be a thing as well. Mm. I definitely, just based on the mana cost alone, I think it's not going to be the ubiquitous card that we saw it to be in the past. But I, I still think it's very strong. I mean, this didn't stop being a good card. Whether it's fast enough for Historic in any matchup except a Control Mirror kind of remains to be seen. Yeah, I'm I'm predicting niche play for Tefori Time Raveler here. Yeah, (laughs) This is the real Tefori. The sideboards (laughs) and maybe a spot or two in Niv-Mizzet and maybe a a little spot here and there. But a lot of sideboard action, I think, for uh, this particular version of the Time Raveler. But it is really cool that it's back. I I Hmm. think that some of these cards, it is just sad when a card is banned from all the spots on Arena and it's just unplayable. Because these cards do hold a spot in history, and if there is a format like Historic that can play some version of the card to give you a little bit of the feel so we can tell our kids, I am only my day. I paid three mana for this here Teferi. (laughs) You know, I I think those things should happen. This this should have a home. I hope it can be played in Historic Brawl. Uh, No mention. I was just going to ask. I was just going to ask if you knew about that. I would imagine, based on this change, it's coming back. It's been banned, so it would have to be unbanned. So I guess we'll see. There is a line. It is one of my favorite lines of all time from a Wizards of the Coast ban announcement article. It's about Teferi here, uh, where it's getting removed from the ban list. (laughs) Do you know the one I'm going to say? Oh, is it about the wildcard reinvestment? It is. It is. (laughs) That's pretty embarrassing. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. They say it like Steve Jobs with the one last thing where he announces that iPhone prices dropped $200. They, they put it as like, before you even ask, we're not taking the wild cards back, meaning the wild cards that we were reimbursed back when they banned Teferi from oh every format. God. And it's like, can you imagine if they said, hey, we're unbanning Nerf Teferi and we're taking four wild cards out of your collection? 
who writes yeah. this article and thinks that they're going to get any goodwill for it ever? It it's one of the most yeah. insane sentences I've ever read in a in an announcement, to be honest. Yeah, no, yeah, you're right. It's almost like you're collecting your paycheck at work. And they're like, just in case you were worried, we are actually going to pay you your full paycheck. We didn't have to, but we are going to, right? It's like, of course, you're going to pay me my freaking full paycheck. Yeah, you're <laughs> <I> mean, welcome. <laughs> yeah, I did the job, you know? I mean, yeah, it's it's audacious. It's like a mafia boss reminding you what you have to be thankful for, right? That's what they're doing, man. We can't Dude, get too comfortable over if here. If the podcast doesn't come out next week... You'll know why. Yeah, it's probably this why. segment right here. Exactly. <laughs> Be getting waterboarded. Anyway, yeah, historic looking to probably not change that much based on that announcement, but it is interesting to see good old Tafari back. You know, uh, we, we were all missing him. <laughs> Some of us were missing him. <laughs> Let's be real. Uh, all right. So uh, moving along to this rather large alchemy announcement. I mean, you know, you were hinting at it earlier, CGB, but this is, there's quite a lot going on here. So why don't you lead us off into this? Okay. Uh, let's, let's get through the buffs. There's okay. 18, uh, quote, adjustments. Okay. It, it's, it's uh, a lot. So yeah. we already covered one of them in Teferi. Um, there's what seems like just an endless tweaking of cards with a venture mechanic from D&D. Yeah, I don't want to spend a lot of time on the individual cards. Maybe we can rant about uh, buffing really quick. I, I don't want to derail you if you were going to say something about the venture mechanic, but I was definitely going to get in a few jabs there. Okay, I, I'm going to sum up mine quick. Ass. Okay, lamb, lamb, ass, yeah, total <laughs> ass. I feel like these are the buffs that no one wanted. The, so the people who didn't think the venture mechanic which was good, which is most of us, were like, yay. You know what? It's kind of like uh, grandma was like, hey, guess what? I reformulated my jello dessert. You know that gross Christmas cake that I make? I just oh, made it better. I right? like jello. Okay. I, <laughs> I, 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 I get where you're going now with this analogy. It's that it's that thing where you See, go over to grandma's, you never want to eat it. And she's yeah. like, hey, I found a new ingredient for this thing that you hated yeah. anyway. Yeah. She's okay. like, she's like, I figured out why you hated fruitcake. And now I've put mango in it instead. Like that, that's what this feels like to me. Right. So I guess I struck out with jello. I know you're a picky eater, Kobako Blue, but you have some very interesting. Jello is gas. <laughs> okay. Jello is straight gas. Totally gas. Total I guess gas. you know you can take a man out of the Midwest, but you can't take the Midwest out of the man. At any rate, uh, that's kind of how I feel. Like I, I feel like they are lipsticking this pig hard. That's what I feel like. They I would say it depends on the buffs. I think yeah. it would be admirable and interesting if they found a way to buff Venture to a point that it was an interesting deck. And some people are saying that yes, they have because of what they did. I'm reading these cards. This is kind of foreshadowing about the cards. I'm reading these buffs and it ain't close for me. No. Like it there no. there's like maybe one card where I'm like, okay, that's a playable card now. Let's just go down the list. As Sararak, the Arc Lich, has a rules adjustment that says they remove the opponent's option to sacrifice a creature on the attack trigger. Does that even matter? Whoever even did that? Who, I don't think I've ever had one of these in play. <laughs> I don't think one has ever been in play against me. It's been played against yeah. me. I don't think it's ever gotten onto the battlefield and stayed there ever. 
maybe I'm wrong, but that sounds like the most nothing adjustment I can imagine. No, you're not wrong. Like that clause was not why this card ain't it. This is no love struck beast. No. Which is kind of what we have to compare it to. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> so. Most of us like to play our creatures and have them be on the battlefield. I don't know about Indeed. That, like, what is this? Uh, it divide under, by zeros itself. You pay three mana and you get one venture into the dungeon. I mean, what like what are we talking about here? I, I have a so, sweet historic brawl deck around this card though. Oh, okay, fair enough. It's one I of the eight you. paradox engine. Ah, okay. Okay, <laughs> but, got it. But don't it's worry about theme. that. Don't worry All about right. that. We, we don't we don't talk about such things. <clears throat> Next one up, Cloister Gargoyle. So this used to cost two and a white, and now costs one and a white. And it used to be an 04. It is now an 03, which has magically shot it up my playability charts from being in last place to being in second to last place. This was really funny. They they've adjusted it since on the website, but for a long time it said increased toughness. From 04 to 03. <laughs> okay, there we go. Looks the like wizards giveth we, and the wizards giveth. We, we need a rebalancing for our rebalancing article, apparently. So, right. It was really so, funny. I mean, okay, like, let's be real. Well, a, a two-mana 3-3 three, three flyer is, like, pretty good. But here's the irony, is that, like, we even have, you know, we currently have Delver of Secrets in the format, which I would argue is, like, more supported right and that's a one mana three power flyer so the thought that this is somehow like going to be relevant as a two mana three power flyer just seems a little laughable and i'll tell you what crafties this thing ain't blocking much either anything that you want to be blocking apart from maybe thalia this thing ain't blocking Mm -hmm. yeah it's pretty hard to uh, and remember like it's it's going to be like turn four before you can attack with it as a three three if you curve out perfect you're not going to complete a dungeon that fast it I don't know what they're going for. It's a little better, but mm, I don't know. I guess we'll see. All right. How about uh, Rita's Dungeon Descent? Gladly, because I think that this buff, unquote, just reveals that this was one of the worst cards ever made. Sagrantly unplayable card. <laughs> this oh, man. rare colorless land. Ugh. Remember when people got excited about rare colorless lands? Ugh. This rare colorless land used to enter the battlefield tap they removed that from the card and they changed its activated ability from four mana to one they carved a black lotus off of this card's activated ability and now it reads land tap for a colorless or one and a tap tap an untapped legendary creature you control venture into the dungeon activate only as a sorcery so what would make this card playable, Covert Code Blue? That's that's what I'm wondering. Like, how much more would we need to do to this card to make it even remotely okay. playable? You agree it's still ass, right? It's the assiest ass that ever asked. And yeah. if, if anybody was curious why, like, if you have a legendary creature, why would you tap it on your turn at sorcery speed for one venture into a dungeon, and as well as tapping two mana? It seems like yeah. some of the worst use of resources that you could have in a competitive-ish arena game of magic. If they remove the sorcery part and this was something like you you could do on end step like you hold up your ability and do it on end step this would probably be like a commander a a historic Mm -hmm. brawl staple you know Mm because everybody has a legendary creature and it just gives you something to do with mana in the late game that gives you a little bit of value and then it might see too much play 
But even then, like, what what is it hurting the format to have people venturing into the dungeon on end step? I mean, their search for his Kanta in Historic Brawl <laughs> so yeah, much better yeah. than this. Yeah, I mean, there's just there's so many other better things to be doing. So I really don't know what they ever had in mind. There's clearly something that someone imagined was going to be really good with this card. And I, I couldn't agree more. Like, this is a case where, like, the buffing proves the weakness of the card. You know what's funny? I think I, I would have been more likely to play this card before it was buffed because I just wouldn't have actually read it properly and wouldn't have actually noticed just how bad it was. <laughs> the first time it enters the battlefield tapped, you're like, oh, we're off it. That didn't I'm work just, out. Uh, we're done. We're over it, right? <laughs> it's oh, for yeah. the how memes, was, man. How this was ever a tap land is totally beyond me. What I love right. about this this one is on Twitter, the base camp enthusiasts, the party oh, gamers God. are coming out of the woodwork. Like, how come base camp still enters the battlefield tapped i'll put my my voice behind that i mean i walked off that hill a long time ago but you know free base camp right so all right uh next up eliwick tumblestrom a card which you own four copies of am i true it's true (laughs) so so maybe you can read this one and some of my biggest fans do too (laughs) basically i'm not reading this card um the minus the minus seven is now a minus six so it goes from the thing you never did because it never mattered to the thing you will still never do that will still never matter just a little more like the dream is a little closer yeah i just a little update for whoever made this change at wizards all right the ultimate was not the reason i wasn't slamming this card all right what That wasn't the first thing that I looked at to determine the playability of the card. I just don't get it. I mean, how I'm I'm trying to formulate words. How do you not like make the plus one like create a one one halfling and venture into a dungeon? Or or make it a plus one venture into a dungeon, gain two life. To fairy just gain some life winning pluses for no reason. Why why not Ellie? You know what? Make it a plus two. Make him able to freaking ultimate next turn. Maybe it would actually be a threatening planeswalker. Yeah, you know? make Takes something happen. Ultimates, maybe you actually finally do something. I don't know, man. The next one on this list that I can see is the only one that I think got like remotely better. Triumphant Adventurer. So I'll read this one off. It's white and a black, death touch, human knight. As long as it's your turn, triumphant adventurer has first strike. And whenever it attacks, venture into the dungeon. It used to be a 1-1. It is now a 2-1. Hits twice as hard. Yeah. So it hits twice as hard. A 2-1 first striker, you can never block this thing. Um, Basically unblockable. (laughs) I have been on the receiving end of triumphant adventurer. And if your opponent sticks one, it's not a fun time. If your opponent sticks two of them, it's really not a fun time. This was always the only card that I ever looked at in evaluating whether this venture mechanic would ever do anything at all. And so I think that this this card has definitely gotten measurably better. And if if the archetype's going to get saved, I think it's going to be on the back of this card. What do you think? I don't know. This is crazy. But if venture is going to be a thing, this card is the maybe. All right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Uh, if it's going to happen, it's got to happen with like turn two adventure or turn it sideways two or three times as well as play other venture things. And then you complete a dungeon on turn four pretty easily and you yeah. pop off from there, I guess. And yep. yeah, not a bad one. Did you um, intentionally skip the other three dungeon cards that they buffed? 
I guess I just didn't read them. That it's closely. okay. I don't even recognize them. I didn't even know yeah. they were cards. Fate's reversal costs one in a black. It now costs one black to raise dead and venture into a dungeon. Uh, uh, yeah, still not remotely playable. Find the path. Used to make two green mana. It, it's an enchantment aura for two and a green. It would make two green mana when you tap the land and when entered the battlefield, you ventured into a dungeon. Now you can get two mana of any one color. I All right. It's not playable. I Yeah, it, it's good for your venture-based value ramp deck. So enjoy. There you go. And then yeah. uh, Precipitous Drop was two in a black. For a minus two, minus two, and if you had completed a dungeon, it's a minus five, minus five aura, and when it enters a battlefield, you venture. And this was the removal spell I actually saw people play in the venture decks, and now it costs one in a black. So it's a mana cheaper, which is good. It's still no Infernal Grasp, or even I mean, Grasp of it, Darkness, or Sap Vitality, or a number it's not of even other dead cards. Weight. It's not even dead weight. yeah. This ain't doing it either, so I don't know. Maybe the sum is going to be greater than the parts, but uh, I'm just still not expecting this venture deck to do anything at all. If this hits and it does nothing, I'm going to conclude that they have never playtested this format. We're going to get into a few more because the remaining buffs that we have to talk about, yes, there's even more, but the remaining buffs we have to talk about are the alchemy-only cards. I think that if... There are many criticisms of alchemy. One I will fully agree with, and I am on board with anybody who's on board with this one. They suck so far at buffing. Like, it's terrible and embarrassing. Yeah. Because if yeah. they want to just kind of get some goodwill, take some of those cards that look really freaking sweet, but are still not good enough that people crafted hoping they would be good enough, and make them really good. What they're doing yeah. is taking terrible cards, Arjuna, and making them... A little less than terrible for a very small percentage of player base. I know out there somewhere there's that person, I don't know, they go to D&D every Friday night and they'll never stop for as long as they live. And venturing into the dungeon is like their everyday jam and they really love it. And some of them are really grateful for this. And venture into the dungeon cards are probably going to get another look after this comes out. But if it doesn't turn into a deck... What an absolute waste of time and effort. And I think we've got to see some buffs that take cards from trash to playable. And it hasn't happened yet. In my opinion, it's not quite close yet. So we'll see. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I mean, think about how bad this feels, all right? You're one of those Elixir, Cosmos Elixir people who crafted the card and you really wanted to play it, right? And then it wasn't good enough. So that was a feels bad, okay? So then they come along and they're like, Hey, kid Arjuna, you got let's get your expectations up again. We're gonna actually make Cosmos Elixir playable. And we've altered it. And now, you know, go out and put it back in your deck and play it on the ladder. And oh no, wait, here I am just getting slapped around again because this card isn't good enough. So now it's reinforced the feels bad. It's not just the original feels bad. It's like they've reminded me why I felt bad in the first place. And it's like a net negative. So here's my theory on that. I don't think that the buffs to things like Cosmos Elixir, and maybe Venture for that matter, are actually meant for us, competitive players who can care about climbing on ladder and win rate. I think they're for the gamers who don't really pay attention to the win rates, and they might go play Alchemy and maybe buy Alchemy packs because their favorite card, Cosmos Elixir, is better in Alchemy than it is in Standard. I think it's trying to get casuals to adopt the format. I don't like that, Arjuna. 
Well, I just I, I want the casuals. I just don't want bad cards still being bad. Well, that's what I'm saying. They could make those casuals even happier by making those decks like tier four. Is that so bad? Like they don't have to be. Okay, like let's talk about a tier four card, which I fell in love with. Quandrix Cultivator. This card has basically not seen any serious play in the standard format. There was a brief period when it was in a standard 2022 deck that I really loved that it was like, yeah. Say it, Arjuna. What, what's its creature type? Say it. It is a turtle. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, now my favorite creature type, by the way. It's a good example of like what I would call a tier four card. It's not a competitive card, but like it's a good card. If you resolve it, good things happen. And if you put it in your deck and it's doing the thing that you put it in your deck to do, you feel relatively okay about it, right? So I feel like that's the that's the place that Cosmos Elixir needs to be. And I just think that like I just don't understand why you would buff a card like that if it was still going to suck. I don't get it, basically. I mean, I don't know how it works in the lore for a turtle to have reach, but I mean, if you make the cultivator like a 3-5 a, a with reach and it goes out there and blocks a Townraiser Tyrant or a Goldspan, like we're gaming, you know? Oh, we're doing we're it. We're doing it. <laughs> Just saying. Yes, these are uh, things they could do. That's a brilliant idea, Kovac Goblin. They should, uh, they should hire you. All right, let's talk about some of these other cards. Uh, that you know someone might play at some point ever. Um, assemble from parts. The I don't ability, know what's going on here. the ability that it granted used to cost um, three and a black, and now okay. the ability to activate it and exile a card from the graveyard to make and shuffle it into a library and make a token uh, now costs one black black, so three mana oh, instead okay. of four with a little more okay. black requirement to it. As I put it, a strange reanimation jutsu, and they, they say now it's going to be easier to turn four, assemble something from parts. I haven't played this card. I don't plan to play this card. I don't no. know what... If you jump through a bunch of hoops to make a copy, token copy of something, Fading Hope is gonna laugh at you. I'm gonna and wreck you. Yeah, it's just done with you. So I don't I don't know. They're trying to make assemble from parts happen. It didn't even hit me that this was a reanimation spell. I was just like I stopped reading in the middle of it, I think. I'd never read the card before. I mean, it's it's one of those cards like you can tell from a distance it's unplayable, right? <laughs> the card walks through the door and you're like, Oh, you're unplayable. I'm not doing it. It's like the respect test. I will read you when you actually threaten me. When somebody plays you against me and the situation is yeah. remotely threatening, I will read this card, but not till then. And it hasn't no. changed. No, indeed. All right. How about Blood Rage Alpha then? Why don't you read this one for us? Well, it's a three and a red. And when it enters the battlefield, you choose to either have a wolf or werewolf you control have a fight or the next wolf or werewolf spell that you cast when it enters the battlefield, it fights something. And this is now a four, four instead of a four, three. Why does that matter? Trick question. I, it doesn't. Frostbite. I, like was, one of those burn that wasn't spells. wasn't really yeah. getting played. Right, because the, the dragon's fire, that still hits for far a lot of the time anyway. Most of the time. The freaking blizzard brawl still kills this most of the time. Yeah, um, I, I've played this card. It, it definitely was a cut. I, it doesn't make yeah. sense that it can't fight itself. What kind of an alpha doesn't get in there and fight? <laughs> I know. It's like well, Blood Rage Beta, it would be a better name. <laughs> Burn. <laughs> you just sealed the deal. Blood Rage Alpha is never going to get an invite to the prom ever again, CGB. It's, it's going to join Cupcake Tyrant. 
and all of the other friends. Well, Wizards thinks that four toughness is apparently a breaking point because that's the other buff that happened to an yeah. alchemy only card. Puppet Razor is going from a 3-3 to a 3-4. This yeah. is th- a zombie wizard at the beginning of your end step. Exile a creature card from your graveyard. If you do seek a creature card with mana value equal to the mana value of the card plus one. It's like a graveyardy birthy pod. It also gains menace. And now it's a 3-4 instead of a 3-3. I don't know if being a 3-3 was holding it back. It's just kind of another complicated reanimation style value engine, I guess. It's an interesting card, but you just can't play four mana cards in alchemy that don't that aren't called Town Razor Tyrant, you know? Yeah, a key to the archive. Yeah, a key to the archive. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah, it's just, it's a little bit laughable to compare this card to Grizzled Huntmaster. That card is better than this in just about every way i, I mean, haven't i guess <laughs> i just want to say really fast i haven't had a chance to listen to your talk with rum tea yet but i imagine okay. there's a lot of grizzled hunt master uh discussion oh, we, we went into it yeah I, we I, went yeah. into it and it, it happened i mean he he brought me around on that card um i suppose this happens multiple times so the th- at the beginning of your end step right every yep. end step every end so step. i guess if you get two cards off of this, then it's going to feel pretty busted. But I just like, that's a big if. I mean, okay, it's kind of nice that like if your opponent's tapped out and you bring this down, then as long as you have something in the graveyard, you immediately get value from it. But the Hunt Master gets you value like the moment it resolves, right? Right. So I don't know. I just, yeah, I'm, I'm so someone's going to have to convince me on this card. Yep. And I think this is all the kind of buffs or solely buffs mm. and i it's still uh, apart from maybe triumphant adventure which i think is the best one here i think it's a lot of whiff i i don't see a lot yeah. to excite me about what they're buffing which i think is still a major failing of their attempts in the format so far but we're going to get to the meat if if you wanted to know what's coming if you want to know if your deck from alchemy is still going to be good in a week or two days at this point we're about to talk about the card adjustments as they put it basically the nerfs and uh this is where it gets really juicy to me yeah we'll take us into it all right go down the list we're going to start with a banned card now from standard divide by zero uh in alchemy did you ever think you'd hear that i know i know you don't have to answer I was just going to be like, it's back from the dead already. I already, like, I went through this whole emotional arc in like 20 minutes, right? Anyway, take us through it. Divide by zero. The, it's been adjusted. It costs the same amount. It can target the same things. But now it only learns if it targets a spell or permanent with mana value four or less. If you target Good. something that costs five or more, you no learn. You learn nothing from this equation. I, I actually think this is a great adjustment. I think it's still a good card, and I would still happily play it. Yeah, uh, and I think yeah. it's really interesting that they ban it in standard. Banned, but they think that making this adjustment in alchemy is good enough. I, I know that they can also adjust other cards, and I'm sure that has a lot to do with it. I don't know. I've played a lot of Divide by Zero. There aren't that many cards in the format that cost five or more. Just no. saying, like, no, Hallbreaker Horror, trust me, you don't need to learn for that to be a play you're happy to make. No. Um, same <laughs> no with a indeed. flashback memory deluge. You're still way ahead at that point. But yep. Divide by Zero gets used on three and four mana cards a lot. Like, a lot, a lot. Yeah, as I was actually going to say, like, 
I think if they'd made this three or less, I think that would actually have been a safer pick, right? I'm thinking about key to the archive. Oh, we've got to protect that card. I, right? We can't <laughs> we can't have anything stopping that card from being the best card in the format. Because think about it, like you'll hit your own. I don't know. I do it fairly often. Sometimes. Right? And the thing that's most annoying about that is that you return it to your hand and you get a piece of cardboard to discard to the key when you play it the next time, right? Yes. So this this just like butters both sides of the bread there. And um, I think that's an oversight personally. I Let's think about like some of the other things like, okay, if you hit a town raiser tyrant on the stack with divide by zero and you learn off of it, then like that was a good deal for you. So that's right. a cool interaction. So but once the tyrant hits the battlefield, it, yeah, it, you're not going to be wanting to make that play ever. Anyway, go into it. So in terms of the buff, like the scale, we'll call it, did this go too far, not enough, or just right? I'll have to play it to see. I'm going to say like just one percentage point short of being just right. (laughs) And I I think think if they said three or less, I think this would be a perfectly balanced card. That's where I'm going to put my money on it. All right, cool. The next one is... The dragon, baby. The fearsome whelp. I I don't know about you. I was like a day into this format, and I'm like, that's not going to stay that way. <laughs> yep. Oh, no. We we all saw something happening to the whelp, so, so here it is. And it is kind of exactly, I think, what people thought it would be. Uh, the fearsome whelp now triggers on the upkeep instead of the end step. So we just yep. push the buck forward so that it has to survive on the battlefield for a full turn cycle before you get that one mana perpetual discount on all the dragons in your hand. And it has haste now. They added haste to your 1-1 flying dragon so that you can just, you know, get in there. Just get Mm -hmm. a little damage in there with your Fearsome Whelp. And there will be a time when your opponent's at one life and you top deck Fearsome Whelp and you're like, God, they buffed it so hard. (laughs) But uh, for the (laughs) most part, I think this is a clear nerf. Um, What do you think? Uh, Same question on the scale. Like, too far, not enough, just right. Uh, I'm going in the Goldilocks zone with this one. I think this is about right. I mean, if they made it worse than this, it would be really bad. Like, I think cards like this drop off very quickly. It's already a really bad card. So the only reason you put it in your deck is that when you resolve it on two, it can be a really good card, right? And the getting it down like on turn two is good enough to make up for all the other times when it's a really bad card. So when you make it worse than it was previously, it just drops off very quickly. I think some people are going to get hung up on the idea that it's a bad card when it was so good, it had to get buffed. So will you in, in quick, as quick as reasonable, like explain why, why is fearsome? Well, actually a bad card. Uh, one, one flyer for two mana is a bad card. Any way you look at it. Right. So it's it takes up a slot in your in your hand, right? So that's one issue. You rip this off the top. It's a whole card that you're getting. Uh, and then the other issue is that it just sucks on the board. Like it it basically does nothing. It's about as weak as a creature gets in magic. And so the only reason why this card is good is that it makes all of your other, like probably not quite playable magic cards, such as adult gold dragon into like 
actually really compelling, dangerous, scary magic cards, right? Yeah. That's really the reason. And now, like, so when you, if you get one activation off of this with a handful of dragons, you already got your money. If you get two activations off of this with a handful of dragons, it's legit busted. Yep. So that's why this card is so good. Um, but like when that cost reduction is not relevant, this is like point one of a card. Like this card matters nothing, basically. I think that this will end the re- the era of oops all dragons. Basically, the deck with like twenty dragons in it. We've been seeing some decks in alchemy in the last couple weeks before this announcement. And yes, I still follow the formats while I'm on vacation. What do you think I'm reading on the beach? Deck lists. Yeah, that's right. I read deck lists. But we've been seeing like Rakdos and like these mono red and Boros, like these mid-range decks that are like, here's Rahilda, here's Stormseeker, Reckless Stormseeker, and here's Townraiser Tyrant. And not a ton of werewolf synergy, not a ton of dragon synergy, just good mid-range stuff. And they've been doing well. And I think that this is going to be a full shift. I think that the Fearsome Whelp kind of getting nerfed is going to signal that it's time to build your decks with a little more restraint than oops all dragons Holebreak O'Hara let's talk about this one um, card that you were right about all along very very threatening card so they bask in your victory no Kovac no Kovac. no that's not what I'm doing this is my Holebreak oh, O'Hara cosplay pose that's your actual <laughs> imitation <laughs> he's T-posing for any of you who can't see <laughs> Definitely like soaking up the glory that is being Hullbreak Ahara. So simple nerf to the card. They removed the this spell can't be counted text. You have a lot to say about this. Go. I already talked about one of the greatest lines, honestly, that I'd read in regards to the Teferi wildcards thing. One of the second greatest lines uh, I think I've ever read, which is that this adjustment was made to, quote, make the mirror more fun. Somebody is out there. It's good to know as a blue mage that Wizards has my back, that they're up there in that ivory tower. Somebody's up there trying to figure out how to make the blue mirror more fun. I can't get over that because who's looking out for making sure the blue mirror is fun? Why? How are you balancing your format around that? (laughs) <laughs> no, they ruined it. This is they don't understand. Blue players are masochists, right? Yes. Blue players are psychopaths yes. who stay up all night hoping that they get matched up against another psychopath so they can really test their skills. Oh yeah. Right? So we can play those long, <laughs> endless holebreaker on holebreaker loops, man. Oh god. And they ruined it. Now we can just run saw it coming and ta-da, it's over. It's over. It is amazing yeah. to me that their idea of nerfing this very oppressive endgame, and it is, if you are not playing blue, yeah. is an oppressive endgame. They learned nothing, Arjuna, from Allrun's Epiphany. Nothing. Yeah. Which, the reason that Allrun's Epiphany was a problem was because the only way to interact with it was to play blue. Because it had yeah. to be on the stack. Now they've made Holebreaker Horror another very obnoxious and oppressive endgame. And the only way to interact with it is... To play blue. That's right, because if yep. you play any kind of a mid-range to slow deck against Hullbreaker Horror, then eventually the game gets to a spot where if the blue mage just sits there drawing their cards, managing the board state, they play horror mm. with mana open, and no matter how many targeted removal spells you have up your sleeve, they can just counter and bounce, counter and bounce. It can still bounce itself. A lot of people said the nerf should be that it can no longer bounce itself. I agree. I think that would have been mm. a nerf that would be 
actually good so that other aggro decks can kill it. So Infernal Grasp can boom, you're dead. Vanishing Verse, boom, you're dead. You can't just play a Consider or Revitalize and get it back. But that's not what they did. They were content to make the blue mirror more fun. And I think that's really weird, and I don't like it. And I think the card should have been nerfed harder. And as a fan of Holebreaker Horror, you know I mean it. I do know that you mean it, and I totally agree with you. Like, you're right. In any deck that's not playing blue, that text basically doesn't exist, and it's still oppressive in all the ways it was oppressive before. Yeah, as as a noted mid-range gamer, I still hate this card. And I mean, even like mono green players are still going to hate this card. They're still never going to be able to kill it. Nothing has changed. So here's the one thing I'm going to say. If you want to beat Holebreaker Horror and you're mad about this, like I am, and you're playing a deck that isn't a Holebreaker Horror deck, like I will sometimes rarely do. Now that Faceless Haven is gone, there isn't a lot of cost to pathwaying it up and just splashing blue in all kinds of decks to get Disdainful Stroke in there. You can just play Mm -hmm. Disdainful Stroke in all your aggro decks. And I mean, D-Stroke, still a very solid card. I mean, look at all the fours in the format, right? You know, we have the Town Razor. Um, we have Key to the Archive. We have the next card that we're going to talk about, Inquisitor Captain. So, and it is one of their stated goals, right? Is to make the format more susceptible to Disdainful Stroke. They said Expensive they- cards, good, right? Yes, so let's talk about this one. We this was another one where like on day two of the format you were like, oh no, 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 no. That that card can't stay the way it is, surely. And no, it has not. And I actually think this is a pretty good adjustment. So they added the if you cast it and clause to the enters the battlefield ability. So basically what this means is you only get the captain effect when you had it in your hand and you tapped the mana and you had to enter the battlefield. So notably, no blinking. Oh, but you said if it's in your hand. It does just say if you cast it, not if you cast it from your hand. From your hand. Yeah, that's that's a good spellbinder issues. Yeah, like if you if you hit this off of like a scalds or something, you're right. 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 So yeah, but you do have to cast it. So yeah, so you can't um, if you you know reanimate this. It doesn't. Do you just get a three three Vigi? Uh, if blink. you blink it, you just get a three three Vigi. Mm-hmm. You can't copy it with the um, the mimic, the glass pool mimic, which was kind of the big wombo combo. If you cast the glass pool mimic from your hand, it still works. But okay. if you find it off the captain, it will not trigger the search work. function. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what do you think, CGB? Is this enough? Yeah. Um, this card is is obviously meant to be one of the best cards in the format, and the effect is something people really enjoy. You can tell from the popularity of Bloodbraid Elf and Collected Company that people love this kind of... I play this one creature that's kind of hill gianty and not very good on its own, but I get something random and cool if I build my deck a certain way. People love this. So it keeps that side of the card without those rather tilting, I get a mimic and a mimic and a mimic draws, uh, which were clearly just the biggest issue that and soul herder and historic were a bit too much and or so that, good nerf i guess that leads me to my question is has this killed it in historic maybe but probably not i think people were still just as hyped about this card before they discovered those interactions and i think that there's still going to be decks where you want to play this i i think the like the life gain deck and various uh creature piles green white humans 
I think they'd still play it. I don't think this kills it in historic 100%. Uh, my read on it is that like any collected company deck that also plays white is still definitely going to be interested in this card. I think it showed its staying power, even it played, quote, fairly. It's not a very fair card. Yep. No, no, indeed. So I think we both agree this one seems to be in the Goldilocks zone for sure. Okay. Um, almost last one. Leah, Disciple of the Drowned. Now, uh, again, Kovac, go blue. I'm basically just going to turn this one over to you after your long, languorous sip of your Mountain Dew, because I know you have some bile to expend over this card. Lyra, Disciple of the Drowned. We were just getting to know you, but now in Alchemy, a line of text has been added, and it says, During your turn. <laughs> no, that's not even what it says. It says, As long as it's your turn, each instant and sorcery card in your graveyard has flashback. So, no longer will you pass the turn with divide by zeros open from your graveyard. No longer will you pass the turn with fading hope in your graveyard, feeling secure in your Leo disciple of the drowned life. Now, when it's the opponent's turn, one, your cards don't have flashback. Two, spells can't be countered. This card is going to be really hard to protect, probably unprotectable. There might be matchups where it still has a role and it can still come down and let you cast time warp from your graveyard. So there might be a, taking extra turns element to the card, but this is an intense nerf because, man, they, they kept it a 3-4, they kept it 5 mana, they kept the types, they kept so many things, but whoever did this has a, like, a surgical precision set of skills at just hurting a card, just sticking it right in the heart. Like, what does a Blue Mage want to do? They just want to interact at instant speed, man. That's all we want. We just don't want to be the, the, the creature deck that just plays their monster and says go. We just want a little more choices and agency, and now we're just playing this and saying go, and people will just kill it, and it's it might be dead. I do like that they took away what was, in my opinion, the most brutal part of this card, which is, let's say you had, oh, I don't know, like a kill spell in your hand, you know, like a grasp, for example. And your opponent doesn't know that, right? But they do know that you have a Leer in play. And so they're like, oh my God, like they could have anything in their hand. What do they do? And they play out their creature or they do whatever. And then you get not one, but two kills off right on that turn and it's just such a slap in the face right like it's just so nasty the hidden information aspect made this card so punishing um and so i agree that it has hurt the card a lot i also though think that this card was really unfair and i am glad that they did something and i do think that they addressed what made the card so infuriating i actually think they did what sort of needed to be done and it's better than banning the card which could yeah. still happen in standard we'll see where it still works the same way i'll say also i've been all into a commander a lot more especially over my break and uh i feel guilty playing Lear and commander i just feel dirty like i feel yeah. bad i'm now going to waste everybody's time because i have about 50 spells that i could cast during every phase of the game maybe it's better this way it's no so sad to, so sad to say you know, we all have our fun in the sun. We all have our time being the apex predator. And uh, Leah, disciple of the alphas, 
your, your time has come. All right. Um, next up, Sanguine Brushstroke. Relatively minor change here. All they did was they removed the life gain from sacrificing the blood token trigger. This one almost seemed like a nothing to me. Yeah. Because in my version of this deck, I'm the one dying to the sacking. So the life gain doesn't matter at all. But I don't know. I guess they they stated that like they wanted to change it in the aggro matchup specifically. And I guess it makes sense because that was those were the decks that these sack decks were the most threatening against, right? Uh some would say that this card pushed aggro out of the meta for the recent events because it was just too hard for aggro decks to compete with blood artist and meat hook massacre this doesn't change that much to me i don't think that the sacrificing of the blood token gaining the life was what kept you alive enough this is a in my opinion a really minor buff and they may have to do more with this or meat hook massacre before it's over so i guess we'll see yeah i totally agree i just like i read it and i was like I just didn't even think about that. That was never in the conversation about why this card was good. Yeah, all right. Well, probably further action will need to be taken on that. Now, getting to our last last card that we have not discussed yet, another card that we all knew something was going to have to happen to, Town Razor Tyrant. And this one's interesting, CGB. They changed it. They added a non-basic clause as the starting restriction. So basically, this can only target non-basic. Non-basically, this can only target non-basic lands. <laughs> the pun's in there. We'll find it. It's, it's happening. So I, I don't know if this does it, CGV. What do you think? I don't know what deck wants to curve out with basics in the alchemy format, especially considering yes. that, well, pathways are going to be a part of any multicolor deck. You, you picture Esper. They're running like two or three basic lands. And it's mostly because they can divide by zero to get environmental sciences, or they might not even run that. Um, you picture modal DFCs like Shatterskull Smashing and Jawari Disruption. A lot of decks playing those early. You picture the creature lands from Adventure of the Forgotten Realms. This is probably the biggest deal, because you could say, well, monocolor aggro decks can dodge this card now. No, they want to play their creature lands on turns one and two when they enter untapped every time. Uh, so oh. this just seems to me like it just makes you play the card right and nerf their good lands instead of their bad ones. I, I couldn't agree more. The other thing I wanted to note is that decks like Mono Green are like the decks that are the least afraid of Town Raiser Tyrant, right? Yeah, that, that's um, true. It's like, you know, Mono Green's like cute four drop i'm gonna murder it for one mana and you're still gonna lose the game and i'm gonna take a couple of extra damage and i wasn't even paying attention to my life total right it's one of um, the only matchups by the way where town razor tyrant like isn't impressive it is in those strictly aggro matchups and i guess you made it a little worse against them because quote you want to promote and this is in the article they want to promote monocolor aggro in alchemy even though even as they're hurting it intentionally in standard with bands yeah. It's so weird. It is. It's an odd choice. So I in my opinion, this card is still going to be as punishing against the decks that it was really punishing against, which are like more mid-rangey and controly decks. Um, decks that really A of all cannot afford to take extra damage, and B of all do not want to see their lands go in the bin. So um I'm still terrified of this card, and I I don't think it's enough. Yeah, I'm kind of amazed that it got out with almost what doesn't even 
if it's a nerf, like in the games where you feel it, where you were going to play your Townraiser Tyrant on three or four and there's nothing to target, it feels like the, you didn't earn it with great deck building or anything. You just kind of got lucky to dodge those lands that you know yeah. you're probably playing anyway, your creature lands, your pathways, your dual lands, your whatever else they've got in the non-basic, the uh, crossroads, Forsaken Crossroads. Yeah, it, it doesn't feel smart. You just feel like, ah, oh, how lucky me. I played against dragons and I drew three basics. Yay, and now their card yeah. does a little less. Exactly. And here's the thing. It's still punishing you, right? Like, it's still making you ba- maybe hang on to a tap land, right? Maybe, um, yeah. You know, so, I mean, Townraiser might still force you to play off curve. It still might mess up your game plan, even if you got lucky enough to draw a bunch of basics. So I'm I'm still not happy to buy property on Innistrad is all I'm saying. <laughs> there's a there's a tyrant just burning it all to the ground. Just just, yeah. just waiting, just waiting to go. Yeah. So there you have it. Uh that's the rundown. And um oh, I actually oh, wait, I got it. I know yeah. exactly what they should have done to this card. Lay they should on. have added when it enters the battlefield, you also venture into a dungeon. Oh, that's what they was missing. <laughs> The, the magical keyword. Um, well, speaking of venturing into a dungeon, I actually need to venture off to play some IRL magic. And um, so I know <laughs> what kind of a loser does that. Who's your commander? So I'm playing limited tonight. Never but, mind. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> but, Kovaku Blue, you'll be proud to hear that my commander in my most competitive deck is Teferi, Mono Blue. I, I still got love for that blue. I thought with you talking about all these green cards for the time I was gone that, uh, you know, I was seeing your true form, but now there's still hope for you. There's two There's two colors that I love, CGB, and blue is solidly one of them. So, I mean, the, the blue is strong on this podcast. Let's not forget. That said, I do have to bounce, but it's amazing to see you, CGB. Uh, I love you, man, and I've missed you. And uh, it's so much fun to have you back on the podcast. I'm like already remembering the chemistry and it feels great. So can't wait to dive in with you and we'll be releasing another video together very soon. It's great to be back here with you. It's great to be back with the crafties. I've missed you guys. Uh, It's hard to explain how or why. It just is what it is. Uh, There's... There weren't a lot of people listening to my opinions as I just walked around on the beach ranting and raving about various cards and deck lists. So it means a lot to me. So it's great to be back. So uh, catch you soon, Crafties. I'm going to skip the usual outros, and I will just say peace. Peace.